Hello and welcome. This is Camille Brooks. I love to help people discover how they can find more joy and peace in their personal lives, marriage, and family, and help them discover that their sorrows can bring out the glory within them. Today's podcast is from the series, Sorrow Let's the Glory Out, insightful interviews on finding joy and peace in the midst of our afflictions, and in the process, discovering the glory within us. Welcome to our podcast today. How did a drug addiction and death let the glory out in me? I'm so pleased to have as our guest my dear friend, Dina Coates. I met Dina a year ago and know that God brought her into my life for many reasons. She has been my teacher, counselor, and cheerleader as I have begun this journey of writing posts and podcasting. Dina is the friend I told about in the podcast, Understanding Adversity. She's the woman I ran into while running, and she said she never takes that route walking. I know she has been sent as an angel to help me and be an answer to my prayers. I am so excited to share her with you today. My hope is that she might be a blessing to you as well. Dina had two big dreams while she was growing up. One, to be a mom, and second, to be a teacher. Both dreams came true. She and her husband have four children and four precious grandchildren. She retired a year ago after teaching elementary school for 31 years. Wow. She loves to read, sew, bake cookies, garden, and most all things in nature. Dina loves to try new things and even took a tap dancing class this winter. That was fun. Yeah, way to go. (laughs) Dina is going to share with us a very tender experience. She had a son addicted to drugs. What was it like having a son addicted to drugs, Dina? Well, the best way I can describe it is like this. It was dark. It felt like the light in our home and our family was being dimmed. As Brian's addiction became worse, our home became much darker. We had been a pretty typical family, I think. Two parents committed to each other and to their children. We worked for a living. We made sure our kids were involved in activities like sports and music lessons. We attended church each Sunday. We were busy and happy. Things began to feel different with Brian about the time he turned 14. He became very argumentative and didn't want to spend time with the family. These were the first warning signs. But these are also signs that a child is experiencing adolescence and growing up. I felt hurt when Brian didn't want to participate with the family, but I didn't suspect drugs. Sometime in his 14th year, Brian was arrested for possession of marijuana. Now there was an explanation. Brian was court-ordered into a drug treatment program that met every weeknight from 4 to 7 in Orem, about 25 minutes from where we lived. I usually sat in the car for the three hours and read or crocheted while Brian attended the class. I felt uncomfortable sitting there night after night and always made sure my car doors were locked. 
Wow, I can't even imagine being in your shoes. The worry, the fear, the anxiety. How did you even sleep at night? And I was scared a lot of times. I felt very scared sometimes. So it it was hard. It was it was kind of like living in hell to me at times. I can imagine. Wow, what did you do to try to help? Well, I felt like I was always trying to help Brian. I wanted him to overcome this. I talked to the school counselor. I talked to school teachers and administrators. I checked out books and articles on addiction. I talked to him. I begged and pleaded with him. I took my family to family counseling. I had Brian go to a counselor privately. And being a person of faith, I exercised my faith. I hoped, I prayed, and I never gave up. Some days, the hoping and praying were so intense, you could feel all of your energy being drained to sustain that level of caring on behalf of the child you so dearly loved. For many years, I wanted to fix his addiction. If I could just be a better mom, if I was a better disciple of Christ, if I did all I could do, but it wasn't about me, I couldn't fix his addiction. It sounds like you felt a lot of shame and guilt over this, did you? And being a mom, I think I wanted to fix him. I wanted to, I wanted everyone to know the Brian I knew. And I didn't want him to have that horrible problem. I think it's very normal for mothers to want to fix things. I think yes. that's, that's what we do. <laughs> and I am a fixer. <laughs> yeah. So I did want to fix. Oh, I think all mothers are. And parents, not just mothers. I think we, we just, when things are wrong, we want to make it right. We want to make it right. We want to fix it. And that's probably the hardest thing is that we can't. We can't fix it. They have their agency. And it takes a long time to get to the point to realize that you can't fix it, that it's not about you. Yeah, that's the hardest part is getting to that point, Mm -hmm. don't you think? Mm -hmm. And it took a long time. Yeah. Well, tell us more. Okay, Brian swayed back and forth for many years. He'd want to clean up, he'd work hard, and he'd have some success. Then he would fall back into his addiction. He knew he was destroying his life, and he knew it hurt his family. An interesting fact that many people do not know or think about is that drug addicts don't want to be drug drug addicts. No one aspires to being an addict. When an addict uses drugs, they give up their ability to choose. The drug becomes their master. Brian spent time in jail on several occasions, and often while incarcerated, his resolve would be strengthened. He was not going to use any more. Some jail stays seemed to make him better. Other times, the stay made him bitter. As Brian grew older and his addiction was out in the open with our family, he was able to be loving and present Sometimes he wanted a relationship with his family. Sometimes he cared. Sometimes at times our son and brother went out for a while. Other times the addiction won out. Looking back on those years when Brian's behavior was changing and our family was living in darkness is painful. I wish I had known more, had done more, had been more honest with what was going on. A dear friend of mine who has experienced similar issues in her family felt like I should let all of you know that despite the hardships Brian's addiction put on me and my family, I loved Brian. I always loved him, and I still love him. My husband and I often told him that the love was free at our house. He did not need to do anything or be anything to be loved. 
One particular evening, Brian asked my husband why he still loved him. And my husband answered through choked up tears, because you're my son and I will always love you. Oh, I love that, Dina. That's something I've loved about you since I've gotten to know you is I just feel like you have buckets of unconditional love. (laughs) I have felt your unconditional love. And I know the Lord loves you and your husband for loving your son through this. That was the easier part (laughs) of the love. (laughs) That's true. There's nothing our children could ever do that would cause (laughs) us to stop loving them. But that helps us learn about God's love and his character is if we feel that about our children and we're just so inadequate and human, can you imagine how Heavenly Father feels about us? He never, ever gives up on on us. His hand is always outstretched still, just waiting for us to come to Him so that He can help us. You said that um, no one wants to be an addict. No one aspires to be an addict. I love that. I think it's so important for all of us to understand that. And I hope that we can all apply that and realize that that's true for whatever weakness or sin a loved one is falling into, whether it's addiction or something else. We need to look beyond their behavior and love their soul. Who they are. And see them as our beloved. They are our beloved child Mm -hmm. or a beloved spouse or a beloved parent. And that we never, never stop loving them and believing in them and that they can change. They can change. Well, I I hope that we can all learn from your example and not judge others and have compassion and empathy for people that struggle with such things as an addiction. Tell us, what is it like to learn that your son had overdosed on drugs? Oh, that was a hard, hard night for us. It felt like someone put a knife in my gut and just kept twisting it. It was a physical pain. My heart hurt. My limbs were heavy. I hugged my husband and sobbed. We did not get the miracle we had so earnestly prayed for. He was gone. Brian, our beloved son, was gone. We weren't going to have the chance to watch him grow and raise a family and become clean. We weren't going to see him for a really long time. We were heartbroken, shattered, and completely unable to process what to do next. Within just a short time for me, I felt overcome with peace, and I had the distinct impression that I was going to be okay, that I was going to make it through this, and that I would be whole again. I knew my Savior was going to help me. I didn't know how, but I was assured it was so. Life would go on, and I would be okay. What a wonderful feeling it is to know that the Savior will help you. He will heal you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Dina. I think that is such a beautiful message that all of us need to hear and and internalize. It is so interesting that there you were in your deepest despair and grieving for the loss of your son. And within a very short period of time, you began to feel peace. That was a miracle. That is a miracle. It's a gift of God to all who are true followers of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we understand that this peace and comfort is a gift we each can receive when going through a difficult time. Because it is a part of God's plan to allow adversity in our lives, He blesses us with this compensating blessing, His comfort, His peace and strength to go on. 
This gift of grace is available to all who desire it and choose to turn to the Savior and follow Him. I love this part about your story. It's such a beautiful part that sometimes we miss when we're sharing stories and we focus on the pain and we don't focus on how the Lord came to us. And it was a really interesting thing to me that I knew I was going to be okay. And I even in my head was conflicted. How can I ever be okay? I didn't know how I could be okay, but I knew I would be okay. That is so interesting. The conflict, you know, in the, in the I wanted to figure it out. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out. The brain saying, there's no way right. I can be okay from this. Are you kidding? And yet your heart is I knew. feeling yeah, the peace I knew. of Christ. That's so beautiful. Tell us, Dina, how has this experience with your son let the glory out in you? Well, I hope that my sorrow and the things that I went through did help me in some way. When I think about it, I think there are three main things that resulted from Brian's death. The first outcome was relying on the Savior. He would heal me and help me to live. I know he loves me, but not only that, he understands me. The atonement covers all of our sins and all of our earthly pains and disappointments. The Sermon on the Mount includes a list of Beatitudes, and I was drawn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. He did truly comfort me. The second thing that happened was extreme compassion for others who have lost children to death. And this seems a likely outcome to me. It makes sense that when you experience something painful and hard, that you'll be able to empathize with others who might be in a similar circumstance. I'm able to visit with others who've lost children to death. I can cry and feel with them, and I understand some of their feelings. We never truly know how someone else feels. We're all different, and we come from different places. But we can empathize and help others realize that they are not alone and that we care. And the last thing was a bit more unlikely to me. I don't think I expected this one. I have extreme compassion for other addicts. I ache and hurt and empathize with those who have addictions. I like to help others see that addicts are real people with real feelings and often really big hearts. Drug addiction hurts. It hurts the addict. It hurts their families and it hurts society as a whole. If you are dealing with a loved one who is an addict, please look for help. Friends who understand good rehab programs, maybe counseling for yourself. Try to separate the addiction from the person. The person you love is still there. He or she may be deeply buried, but they do still exist. Be honest, and that's hard. Be careful and continue to love and celebrate the rest of your family. Oh, I love your three points. I love how you learn to rely on the Savior and trust in Him. And I love how you learned extreme compassion for others. I think that's part of why we have sorrows in this mortal world, is so that we can become like the Savior. And our own sorrow helps us learn how to turn outward the way the Savior did. He was always turned outward and thinking of others. people. And that's what happens to 
our sorrow is it causes us to turn outward and, and minister to others in their well, sorrow. Well, we hope that it does. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there are times, I think, when people turn inward yes. and, and the sorrow festers or something becomes, it's not a good experience. And it's not a good experience ever to lose a loved one. But you're not going to change that part. And so I feel like maybe the best thing you can do is become better because of it, if that's possible. And it's a choice, but it's also a process, don't you think? Oh, yes. And I think it truly is also a gift from our Heavenly Father. It's not, it's not me who decided I would be empathetic to other people. I think that I was helped along the way. I think that was something Heavenly Father wanted me to be. He wanted me to be able to talk to other people. He wanted me to be there for other people. And I really don't think I could have done that part by myself. And that's a good point. None of us can do it by ourselves. But we also have to desire. We have to allow the Savior good. to right. come in and change our hearts. And that's what I've seen is that um, we can either become bitter because we don't allow the Savior to come into our heart and change our heart and turn it towards our good, or we desire, yes, Lord, come, change my heart. I don't <laughs> like me. feeling broken. <laughs> I don't like feeling darkness. I don't like being turned inward. You know, change my heart, and He does. So that's a credit to you that you chose to let the Savior change well, your you. heart. <laughs> I love your compassion for the addict and that you said we need to try to separate the addiction from the person. And that's true with our loved ones, no matter what they're going through. We need to see them as precious sons, daughters, spouses, family members, that they are beloved and that they are more than their problems and that they're not the problem. It's just they have a problem Mm -hmm. and we can't help them change unless we can help them look beyond that. They're not the problem. Right. And to keep those two things separate helps us to continue to love the person. I think instead of seeing them as an addict or a criminal or whatever the problem is, is we still see them as our child. We still see them. And I sometimes believe mothers are the closest to, Knowing what a person really is like, probably as close as another human being can be. I knew who my son was on the inside, and I didn't forget that part. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's in the midst of your trials and your problems, it's it's easy to just say, ah, I wish he didn't have this. But he still was him, and he still was my child. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing with us, Dina. That was an intimate and difficult story to share. I have loved a phrase in the scriptures where the Savior says, My hand is outstretched still. I have seen that in you as a mother. Your hand was always outstretched towards your son. You loved him. And I know someday you will see him again, and he will thank you for that. That your hand wait. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. But he knew and he does know that your hand was outstretched still and that you always loved him through his affliction. And God loves you for that. And so does your son. 
and I do too. I am thrilled by your example. It inspires me. Thank you for listening. If there was a name that came into your mind while listening, I hope that you will share this podcast and strive to be a blessing to them. Our podcast next will be from the podcast series, Joy in Marriage and Family with Dr. Moore, a well-renowned marriage and family therapist. Join us. I know you'll be taught and inspired. If you liked this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or any podcast app. I hope you will join us next time. For more inspiration, join me at FindingJoyInPeace.com. Until then, thank you for listening. May God bless you as you strive to create more joy and peace in your homes and in the world around you.